2: gracious! It is episode 141 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike I hope you guys are doing fantastic because this episode is awesome Mike and I have a ton of catching up to do He kind of rags on me a little bit for being obsessed with cameras And I think I deserved it But once we get that out of the way, we talk about some must-know grooves And we're talking about Jim Riley's new article in the June issue After that, we'll be digging into the playing of Daphnis Creato. In our gear review section, we'll be checking out the VK Ageless Collection 4.5x14 sterling silver snare drum. Yeah, sterling silver. Crazy. After that, we'll get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. Oh, goodness gracious. That's an intro right there. We got music. That's a full-on
0: production. Guys are I love it. Really stepping up the game here. That was our uh, no. a listener from Munich, Germany, Marcus Kink. Dr. Marcus Kink.
2: You know what's the best is that somebody that's new to the podcast, probably listens to the first episode or the newest episodes, then they go back in time and they're like, what kind of rinky dink outfit is this? And it's one of us. It's no. One of us playing. That's the best. Like they didn't yeah. even have cool intro music back in the day. It's yeah, like, uh, it was just two professional drummers trying to get by. <laughs> having no idea what we were doing. Uh, how are yeah. you, pal? Doing all right.
0: Hot and sweaty. Good, summer. Summer arrived early, and I, I am not complaining. Although great, we had to chop down our our shade tree in front of my house because it died, and now my house is <sighs> like a
2: freaking convection oven. But it's all good. Oh, that's man. <laughs> We, uh, in our house, when we bought our house, the main reason, well, not the main reason, but one of the main reasons we bought it was for the tree in the backyard. And within a month of moving in, an arborist came to inspect it. It's a massive oak tree that covers our entire backyard and canopies our house. He's like, yeah, this thing's going down this. You got to And we were like, wait, what? No, 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 no. This is, this is Sally. We named her. She's not going anywhere. (laughs) He's like, I don't see any, I don't see any shot in saving this. It's going to knock down two houses and your neighbor and I was like oh no and so uh, we actually brought in a much more hippie arborist he's like we can save her don't worry man it's oh, cool yeah. Yeah, he just rubbed some you know like a little uh, maize on some places a corn paste I'm kidding <laughs> uh, <laughs> He just he just took out some patchouli oil, slapped it on the trunk. We were Uh, good to go. No, but it's honestly songs. (laughs) Yeah, like this year we were like, okay, it's it's as green as the trees next to it. It's as full as the trees next to it. So maybe Sally can be saved. But yeah, it's when you look at a tree, it's like, ah, I don't want to take that out. That thing's been here for 150 years. I know.
0: know. And mine, the cherry tree in front of my house, something got inside the the trunk and started like Mm. eating its way out. It was kind of kind of gross. (sighs) It was like exploding like an alien had ripped it apart oh
2: okie dokie it well, was like sometimes dr- you got like dripping sap down.
0: it was like it was mm-hmm. really weird wow <laughs> yeah but we gave Life it like a, a, a year because last spring it kind of stopped blooming and then we figured if by this spring and that no blooms we had to just cut it down it's sad yeah. especially because i just was i don't remember what i was listening to but someone was talking about there's theories that plants actually have consciousness (laughs) and and we're just like chopping them up and eating them bro (laughs) i am so
2: i'm so borderline like science guy and full-on hippie like yeah all science until somebody's like yeah we have to cut down your tree i'm like that thing's 150 years old it's an ent that is tree beard and you walk your butt away right now before i pepper spray you sally's not going anywhere she's a beautiful beautiful lady Oh, man. Okay, so real quick, give us some rundown on the intro groove. All right, so like we said, that came from Dr. Marcus King. Thank you so much. That is from the
0: song Chip Ahoy, which he wrote with his guitar friend. It was inspired by an effect that Frank Zappa used on the track Ship Ahoy off of Shut Up and Play Your Guitar, which I believe has the great Vinny Cayuto on it. Um, What's he say he's using? He's got a Gretsch Catalina Club kit, Club Studio, which I don't know that series. Uh, 20 That's probably inch. a European uh, release Okay, 20-inch bass drum, 12-inch rack tom, 14-inch floor He's got one of those heavy-duty uh, bell brass snares, which is pretty cool Yeah, I was
2: going to say, real light, the, the mid-90s bell, pra- bell brass, you just take that anywhere you want Yeah, right, 14-inch peisty hat, Sabian stage ride,
0: some Sabian crashes, good old Aldex D6 on the kick Anything unusual here? Overhead mics, sound project, L- LSD-2 mid-side mic. Interesting. He says it gives him a broader stereo image than a traditional overhead. So there you have there you it. Go. Although the show is mixed in mono, so you aren't going to hear any of the <laughs> stereo spread. <Exactly.
2: laughs> My oh, apologies. Awesome. Well, we got to keep the file size down. <laughs> <laughs> that is rad.
0: Uh, so what's going on with you, man? Uh, I've got a clinic this weekend that I
2: had not even thought about preparing for, so... I think there's my dude. Be... Are you gonna give me a run for clinician slash educator of the year <laughs> in 2018? Because I've got big stuff coming up, and I don't want to have to. It's already tough enough with Stanton Moore and Thomas Lang and JP Bouvet. Now I got to worry about old Dawson. I don't think Tom so. Wayne. I don't think you got to worry about
0: it. It's a nice side project, but I don't know where it's going it's to go. Your
2: side hustle? Yeah, it's a nice side. No, not even.
0: <laughs> I, I would do something way more profitable if I wanted to do a side right, hustle, but. No, it's cool. Uh, I mean, I think funny. this is going to be the one where I don't stress out and we're just going to go play drums and hang out and talk.
2: That's great, man. That's like, great.
0: I think I'm finally ready to just sit down and play the drums and let whatever happens happen rather mm-hmm. than having to feel like I have to have 800 songs to choose from or whatever. So that'll be fun. That's going to be at, uh, I think the place is called Puck in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. It's for uh, Chris over at Bucks County Drums is hosting the event. It's me
2: and Tom Catoni. We're just going to be hitting the drums, jamming. That's awesome, man. Well, everybody go out if you can. That sounds like a lot of fun. I've got a nice week off in between camps, and I don't know if you saw my social media posts, but I returned all of my cameras and lenses. I saw that. What the heck is the matter with you? I know, bro. I know. <laughs> it's Trust what is it, Seriously, what is the matter with you? Because you are like if you, full on these are the greatest thing ever. If you could nail it down, Amber would be so appreciative. Um, <laughs> I mean, buyer's I, remorse. I don't, yeah, I don't know. You know what's tough about cameras and everything else is you don't know until you get to check it out. And I, I will say this. The Panasonics, they didn't do anything wrong. They were fantastic. I got uh, native micro four-thirds lenses with them, so I got all of the pro-level Olympus lenses that fit the Panasonics. <clears throat> but... There, what had happened, and, and maybe this will help other people out there that are looking to do multi-camera stuff and maybe even Modern Drummer, but I kind of had it in my head that all three of my cameras needed to be the same camera, like mm-hmm. exactly the same. It's like, oh, that way I'll just be flying through Center the editing settings, process. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't realize that that's not the case. Like, I don't need – well. so what I wanted – this very specific canon called the Canon One DX Mark II. It's their top of the line, top of the line stills camera, which allows me to take great shots for, of the campers. But it's also their top one of their top of the line video cameras with 4K and 120 frames per second in 1080P. It had everything that I wanted. Okay. Problem is, it's like six thousand dollars. Okay. Then it takes a three hundred dollar memory card called a CFast card. Just the memory card is three hundred bucks. Okie dokie. So I'm like, okay. Well, I can't get three of those. That's going to be $20,000 by the time I'm done and yeah. accessories and everything. So that's why I went the Panasonic route. It had 4K, had all the slow motion. And what I realized is I really don't need a $6,000 camera to shoot the side of my hi-hat. Right, right. You know, and so so what it is, is it's it's just a comfort level with Canon and with their color profiles. And honestly, with the Panasonics, I was really, I mean, you know how obsessed I've been with color correction and everything lately. And if I got my skin to look how my skin looks, I'd be like, there's no way the wall behind me is that green. And if I got the wall to mm. be the white that it actually is, I'm like, okay, now I'm like neon magenta. This makes no sense. And what with Canon, it's, it's actually, honestly, the color science that the chip has. So mm. one of my uh, cinematographer friends called me and said, hey, look, if you were going to be doing almost all location stuff and if you were going to be outdoors all the time, those Panasonic's are leaning towards the greens and they will pick up plants and vegetation so well. But Canon is made for cinematography. It's made for interviews. It's made for documentaries. And they push everything towards skin tones. So if you want to shoot in your camera and just be done with it and do very little, spend very little time on color correction, Canon's the way to go. So then it's like, okay, well, what Canon camera can do 4K and uh, 120 frames per second, slow motion and everything. And the 1DX Mark II just happened to be that one. But like I said, when I saw that, I'm like, well, I, I'm, I can't afford three of those. So I ended up getting uh, that. Luckily, I hadn't sold any of my old lenses yet, so I still have all my top-of-the-line lenses and then two um, Canon C100 Mark IIs, which are their almost like their entry-level film cameras. They don't take stills at all, so...
0: Wow, interesting. I'm having a really mm-hmm. hard time getting – because my overhead camera is a GoPro. It's the only thing I can get in my space overhead. Getting that right. image to match the Canon is is almost impossible.
2: It's really tough. I will say this. Are you using uh, Final Cut or are you using Premiere to edit? Final Cut, yeah. Okay. I don't know what the setting would be on Final Cut, but there there's a really simple setting in Premiere that's like you click a button – and it just takes two parts of your timeline and puts them side by side on the screen and makes color matching a lot easier than jumping back and forth between two different pieces of footage. Oh, yeah. Makes and sense. And so, like, maybe the one on the left would be your cam Canon, and then the one on your right would be your GoPro, and you're only adjusting the colors of the one on the right until it matches the one on the left. Simple solution. So I'm sure Final Cut has something like that. I just don't know what the command is for it or what the keyboard shortcut is. Anyways, we won't bore you guys completely to death with our camera talk, <laughs> but... All the new cameras get here today. My door's unlocked. FedEx, if you're out there, just walk on in, (laughs) drop the box, and get the hell out without stealing any of my snare drums. So are you, like, no cameras right now? Are you camera-less? Yeah, Yeah, I'm pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Anything you see on Instagram today will be from my trusty iPhone. Nice. Well, what's wrong with that? (laughs) So, yeah, everything's good. But honestly, I, I don't know if you've ever left something that you knew was true and it was in your core and then you left that brand for something that was just on paper better, but you just had a sinking feeling. You're like, this isn't right. Something's wrong. You know, like mm. uh, and it, it would be like the newest, greatest snare drum coming out. And you're like, yeah, screw Ludwig. It's Jack's drums Ugh. because on paper, these are the best. <laughs> and then you're like, I don't know. Ludwig kind of got it right in 1921. I mean, Maybe that, I should go. <laughs> that when I was
0: shopping around for laptops years ago, that was me okay. and Max versus PCs. It was mm-hmm. like, man, I can get a way more powerful PC, and I so I actually got a sample of a PC and a Mac. The companies were, you know, cool enough to send them to let me check them out. It's like, yeah, the PC's got all the extra stuff, but something just ain't right. It, I right. can't do it. <laughs> and everyone, right. and
2: and that's the thing is, it would probably be the same for me going to Mac. I, I really equated it to Amber one time. She tried to leave the iPhone thing. This is maybe five years ago, four years ago. And she's like, I'm getting a, I'm getting a Galaxy. That's it. I'm like, okay, go get your Samsung Galaxy. In a day, she's like, this isn't right. All is wrong with the world. Take me to Best Buy. I need my iPhone back. So I think I, I don't think there's better and worse. I think there's better and worse for you and what's comfortable for you. So anyways, let's get into some drum talk. It is time. Gosh, we're only 12 minutes in. I feel like we've covered a lot. I feel like we've covered a lot. I'm ready to talk about some essential grooves, some must-haves. Yeah, so we are kicking off a new
0: series with my good friend Jim Riley. In the June issue, he's going to be essentially grabbing a handful of essential grooves for for working drummers. And just break them down to the bare bones. Here's what you need to be able to play. Here's how, you know, if you've never played it before, here's how you can kind of set, you know start from the kick drum and add the different elements, whatever. More of a basic beginner kind of fundamental course, but... Okay, uh, he's he's I think the next one So this one he's talking about disco Which correlates with the Basically the topic of the issue The June issue which is 1978 Which we discovered there was all kinds of stuff Happened in that year uh, Check out the feature to get more info on that But 1978 was when disco took over So Jim, we, we assigned Jim To break down the disco beat uh, So I thought it would be a good time To just talk about Because we did like two installments I think of what we thought were the essential grooves right Um, we haven't gone back to it in a while i'm I'm pretty sure disco was in there
2: yeah Um, i I have i'm actually filming uh well refilming since i in the middle of filming my course uh switched cameras and my ocd won't allow me to mix (laughs) footage uh but I'm, i'm filming a course on something similar what i call grooves on the gig meaning look this is gonna happen you don't have to be a master of it but you better be able to pull this groove off to get somebody through a song and we've talked about, you could be the most metal drummer in the world, but you literally need, do need to play a swing pattern for four minutes to get someone through the songs be like, look, I'm not a jazz stud, but we will get through this. We're not going to crash and burn as I go ding, 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 ding on my mega bell ride. <clears throat> so the disco groove is cool because it leads into so many groups. I mean, you change out the guitar and you change out the bass of any disco song to a synth, and now it's house music. Yeah, exactly. And you close the hi-hats, and now it's something else. And then you put a little syncopation in the hi-hats, and now it's soca, because you got a little extra snare drum. So honestly, I think that the disco beat is probably one of the most underrated beats in the world because it's how a lot of us learn how to open our hi-hat while we're playing. It's how a lot of us learn what four on the floor is. And it's like this joke of a of a musical genre, but it's not. It actually shows up a lot, and especially now, almost every hit song I hear has four on the floor, but a little bit of creativity and a little bit of syncopation with the hands. And you're yeah. going to get that from learning these basic disco beats. Um, so let me ask you this: if I said, uh, if I was in your pickup band, you and I are doing a wedding gig, I'm the MD for it, and I say, okay. Uh, This is called Sunshine When I'm Gone because it doesn't rain on Tuesday. And you go, I don't know that song. like, well, I just made it up, but it's a disco vibe. Would you immediately think just upbeats on the hi-hat or would you think two-hand 16th notes opening, like, kind of loosening the hi-hats on the ands? What would you be thinking?
0: Uh, That is a great question. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about is that we think of the disco beats as codified eighth notes with the open hi-hat on the ands, but... I actually think of like bands like Chic and and other band like that. It was disco, but it was kind of more funk. Funk, So I think of it as sixteenth note pattern with an emphasis on the offbeat, but maybe not the full on BGS like open hi hat on every and kind of thing. That's where I would probably start. Um, I don't know why. I think that's just because that's the type of disco that I like listening to more. I like Chic.
2: I agree. Well, and I also I also think that people that when they play the generic upbeat, open hi-hat disco beat, which isn't wrong. It's kind of like you're saying here's the stereotypical, these are the four songs that were hits yeah. on the radio, but but disco is such a deeper style of music that was directly tied to funk that it's like it doesn't have to be that. It actually can work really good, and especially if you know that disco can have two hands, you have this extra gear of momentum that you can play through the whole song if you want, or it can be your B-sections, but you always can change gears and give it like, I mean, really, if you sit down and think about doubling the amount of notes per bar while keeping the tempo the same, I'm sorry, there's going to be more momentum.
0: Yeah, yeah, more so, kind of up and down texture and right. And I would save like the straight on disco beat, quote unquote, for like the bridge or the solo or like that's where you're yeah. leading towards where it just kind of starts pile driving this disco right. beat. But yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I would definitely play I mean, yeah, 16th
2: style. You, if you think about it, like, if you were playing a disco beat, what other grooves can you go into without seriously dramatically changing the feel? You could definitely go into a soca, and yeah. really, you'd be just moving that snare to the batitzke, 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 batitzke. Which is, isn't so you, what's that Colombian dance that's similar to
0: that? Cumbia? Yeah, so, uh, or calypso? No, not calypso. The uh, Oh, cumbia is Colombian, yeah. Isn't that the similar kind of pulse? Boom. Boom, boom,
2: boom, Yeah. Boom, so boom. so the cumbia and the and the soca are pretty much the three side of the clave looped. One and two and three and four and one and two okay, and three right. and four and one and two and three and four. And. and so, and then if you listen to Calypso, which is where soca is like the funk dance version of Calypso, Calypso has that Caribbean or Caribbean, however you want to say it, feel going on. So we have those. Those would work fine. Your straight-ahead rock and roll, four-on-the-floor AC-DC groove. Yep. You could go from disco straight into that. I mean, it, it relates to so many things. You can go into the – is it called steppers, the reggae-style steppers? Yep.
0: You can go exactly. into that.
2: Yeah, there's so many. Dance hall. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool thing. So what else – what would be another groove like the disco beat that you think will also lead people – into it'll be like a gateway into other grooves yeah man i don't know what we'd say i feel like maybe the standard shuffle allows me to then all i have to do is displace the snare drum the distance between the kick and the snare now i have a halftime shuffle i feel like it's gonna it's if i did have to learn a jazz beat at least i know how to swing and i know how to live in the world of triplets i feel like going from the standard shuffle Uh, Into Afro-Cuban 6.8 is a great transition. Hold on. FedEx? I'm here. (laughs) Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm doing a podcast. Oh, look at that beautiful box. Just Oh, the camera's here. Thank you so much. No problem. All right. (laughs) And back to episode 141. Later, brother. Thank you, man. That break was brought to you by Mike's Bikes of Folsom, California. (laughs) FedEx dropped it off there, and they brought it here. All right. (laughs) Dude, do you know how hard this is going to be to finish this podcast with this box sitting next to me? (laughs) I want to film the podcast. But isn't it just getting your old cameras back? No. No. I sold everything and got all... Yes, all new everythings. The upgrades, upgrades, upgrades. Because that's the problem with my hi-hat technique, is my camera wasn't good enough. It doesn't fall on me, Mr. Dawson. It's never my only child oh, fault. It's more always plugins, someone else's fault. More
0: camera, better
2: light. <laughs> hey Audio Techno, it's Mike Johnston. My groove's a little off. Do you have a more expensive microphone for my overhead? You do? Please send that. Thank you. It's not my fault. Okay. Oh, so I yeah. so standard- Samba, <laughs> Samba
0: would be my other one. Ooh, good call. I think can lead into all kinds of different things.
2: And I think Samba is also the gateway to ostinatos. I think it's most yeah, people's true. first time ever playing a repeated ostinato with two feet. Yeah. Um, true. And if I like the kind of jazz Samba.
0: Uh, the baião is also another one that I think. Exactly. That I that I'd use. Thank even you when was I'm playing so. funk, it, it ends up showing up all the time.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and I, I, I always, I don't make fun of it, but I always love doing it for my campers when they're like, "When are we ever going to use this?" I'm like, "You know what? Why don't you go to YouTube and type in Benny Greb drum solo?" <laughs> yeah, right. I right around the six minute mark of any of a solo, you'll hear a doom doom, and then he always like lets it breathe. He gives you one biome and then lets it breathe. Doom ch doom ch. Yeah. It's awesome it's awesome cornered the market on it so yeah so i think those would be all great ones uh so this is an article in the current issue by jim Riley. you said
0: yeah june issue uh there's actually a video as well on the website you can check it out him demonstrating jim's great he's he's been a, a good mentor for me of just the sort like practicality of being a professional drummer you know like he yeah. like i get kind of stuck in the weeds like if you said we're going to play some disco next week. I mean, I'm going to listen to every freaking disco record. I'm going to read right. every bio of every artist. I'm going to find out who played on every record, which is cool. It's it's interesting. But I just need to be able to play the beat. And he is right. good at, like, here's the beat. Here's the essential parts of it.
2: And, you know what? and move on. I got to say, it did take me a while to f- find the, the joy in that with certain drummers. Because I would say, like... Jim Riley he's doing a book and there's jazz tracks on it. Like he can't play jazz. And then I would listen. And it's like, no, this sounds like jazz. This sounds fantastic. Like he's not trying to be art Blakey. He's saying, look, man, we got a gig to do. I'm getting yeah, paid exactly. to do this. Let's do this. And I think <laughs> yeah. that that takes a lot of pressure off of us. I will say as somebody that definitely puts more of my focus on education than I do drumming itself, that, I mean, he kind of knocked it out of the park with the whole... uh, What is it? Survival Survival Guide? Survival Guide. Yeah, I think it's the best. That still is, like, an industry standard. Uh, You know, I definitely... When people on Mike's Lessons use play-alongs or maybe just reference, like, hey, I'm working really hard on future sounds, I'm like, then maybe you should cancel your subscription. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How much stuff can you work on at once? But when people say like, oh, I I took the shuffle you showed and I'm using it with Jim Riley's track. I'm like, there's nothing in the world better. I couldn't recommend something better. He really, like you said, he was professional about it.
0: Yeah. Oh, we're going to do a
2: blues track. Let me get some guys that play blues instead of asking my buddies that I'm already playing with, can we fake a blues track? Yeah, or let me sequence um,
0: a, a blues that sounds like you're in a dentist office <laughs> totally, or something. Totally.
2: Totally. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure my Yamaha DTX multi-twelve came <laughs> with a blues loop. It's like, no, not that. Oh that Just reminds the, me. I spent my rolling so, death
0: metal. So many hours playing along to my uh boss DR five or DR seven, the Dr. Rhythm section drum machine. Because yeah. it had like hundreds of styles in it. And every single one of them sucked. There was only, like, one jazz <laughs> jazz groove that was kind of cool. Everything else right. was like,
2: what is this, carnival music? What the heck is yeah, this? Yeah, it was. I, I remember all of those. I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shed over the top of this thing. Here we go. I'm going in. Uh, all all right, right. Before we shift gears, I have an educator yeah. question.
0: Bring it. When do you let a student explore their curiosity
2: and when do you steer them back to what they should be working on? The first thing that I'm always asking them in that situation is, why are we doing this? Like, sometimes you're learning samba strictly to have better independence as a metal drummer. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I want you to get used to doing this. So it all depends on where are we headed. If somebody says, I'm thinking about moving to Nashville you know, in two years my focus with them is so different than somebody that maybe wants to apply for Berkeley school of music. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, Hey man, I'm going to need you to have some, some chops and some skills. And of course I want you to be musical and I want you to have big ears, but I still need you to be able to throw down. Somebody's moving to Nashville. It's like, I need you to throw down for producers. Yeah, You need to have Pat Boone, Debbie Boone down like on a level that's, like not even comprehensible. Um, so yeah, so it, it really depends on what they're trying to do with it. And then the other thing too would be maybe stopping them and saying, okay, we were in the world of disco. And then out of nowhere, you drop the heat on this Gospel Chops YouTube 2009 fill. <laughs> Let's go back and listen. So this is another thing that I don't think enough drummers do. They learn a groove that's part of a specific genre and and they never ask themselves, what are the styles of fills in that genre? And most importantly, how do people get out of their fills? If you keep crashing on the one of a reggae tune, people are going to get a little pissed. And it's like, what's well, how I fill. And it's like, well, not here. <laughs> uh, same with disco. You know, a lot. I mean, if you count the amount of crashes in a disco song, you're not going to get past your first hand. Like they just they don't crash. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and they don't fill. And then I, I'll always ask my students, okay, we're going to learn this. Uh, let's say it's a, a maybe more funk. We're going to learn this gap band tune. I want you to count the amount of rack toms you hear. Mm-hmm. And then the song's over. I'm like, not one. you know. So those are the things that are important, too. It's, it's an entire thing. There's the groove. There's the feel. Um, so, yeah. So I would say if their curiosity leads to something where I'm like, man, that would have been really cool for where you're headed, great. And if not, then I just try to steer them back and say, look, that honestly, everyone would have had to have stopped dancing for your fill. Yeah. That's, yeah and that's, that's, that's tough.
0: Yes. I mean, yeah, exactly. The reason I ask is I'm just thinking like whatever gets a student inspired, but there's always that threshold of, well, that's you're going way above your pay grade trying to learn that thing right, right. now. <laughs> you well, really need to learn the fundamentals.
2: You don't, you know, you don't want your private students running around town butchering gigs and being like, "I study with Mike Dawson." <laughs> True. <laughs> and then you have to like pop out. You are like, "No, he doesn't. He never listens to me." <laughs> that kid has not practiced for one minute in ten years. Yeah, like, <laughs> paying the fee does not make you better. You actually have to practice. So yeah, I think that that stuff's really important as far as making sure that it, it has like a musical responsibility to it as long as that's where they're headed with things. Uh, so, you know. All right. You ready to get into somebody that has, kind of has it all? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I spent the whole day today while waiting for FedEx and putting my hands cupped around my face on the window, like, are they here yet? Are they here yet? <laughs> um, listening to his new album. So I want to get into that. Yeah. Because I really think that Just like what our modern fusion guys have done for jazz, I feel like he's done this for big band, and I'll explain what I mean about that. So uh, do you want to give him full introduction? Yes, we're talking about the great Cuban born, but now he's based here
0: in the States, uh, percussionist drummer Daphnis Prieto. He is a short feature in the June issue about his new record, which is a big band record called "Back to the Sunset." This was the project that is a result of him winning the MacArthur Foundation in two thousand and eleven. Yeah, that was back in two thousand eleven. So this music was so when he won that award, that allowed him to spend an entire year composing and arranging this this content. Wow. So, and here's the record. Uh, before we talk about the new record uh he played the festival gosh Mm -hmm. i can't believe it was 10 years ago so i wanted to just drop in i grabbed the audio from the the little segment that is in the dvd so i just want to drop that in so we can get a feel for his playing first this is 10 years ago of course but let's (laughs) check it out
2: heard about him in the first place it's how i heard about so many drummers i mean i just never would have known who he was and the other thing was at the time i was really heavily focused on trying to find educational material from cuba from brazil Mm -hmm. uh, from west africa and i could find some books but i rarely had a visual representation of something relatable like okay that guy is sitting on the same type of drum set i have with the you know I can I can buy those things I can get that cowbell or whatever but it's this modern Western drum set that I'm very comfortable seeing and now I'm seeing someone play the stuff that I keep hearing about but I don't really have anyone to look to you know maybe him and then uh, who's the guy we've covered in the past Jimmy Branley yeah Brandly? Jimmy Branley yeah yep. yeah I mean though I didn't have a lot of people to look to and when he played the modern drummer festival, he was like okay cool uh, and I also I think he's maybe the same age I am maybe maybe younger maybe older but it was I, I didn't have a connection with uh, say Ignacio and I didn't have a connection Yeah, Ignacio yeah. stuff was a little above my head and then with, with Daphnis it came out and I was like I don't know, it was just almost relatable. I still couldn't do any of it, but it, yeah. it, it really hit me. I, I just remember really enjoying his playing, and I thought also it brought a lot to that specific festival.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, like with Horacio, I think he, obviously, he's coming from a rich uh, Cuban rhythmic heritage, but it's kind of filtered through that 90s fusion sound right? and approach. Yep. And Ignacio was more of a 60s jazz approach. Whereas with Daphnis, the first time I heard him, it, it just felt very contemporary, very like current, mm-hmm. small drums, kind of more of a modern jazz kind of aesthetic, which I right. immediately related to because that's the sound that I was – I was using small drums. I still do whenever I can. Uh, so it, it, for me, it kind of brought all that Cuban stuff into the language that I was already exploring, which was more of a modern fusion, modern jazz, not mm-hmm. the 90s fusion, which is more of
2: rock-oriented – um, heavier. Yeah, I mean, there's, and there's like a sampled sound to the drums. They're very direct and focused. And yeah. then Daphnis had this almost, you know, the two mic sound where it was just like, I don't mean the two of us, I mean two microphones, <laughs> but uh, he had that, <laughs> he had that organic sound where I was like, that sounds like us, that sounds like one instrument called the drum set rather yeah. than here's my eight, here's my 10, yeah, here's my 12. They all have clear heads and yeah. go doom, doom. Yeah. The first and time so, I saw Daphnis was, uh, gosh, it was a PASIC. It was probably
0: 99 or 2000. He was playing with the Caribbean Jazz Project. And oh, wow. And it it's one of those evening concerts where by that time in the day, I'm exhausted and I don't want to hear anything else. You know, like my ears are just right. done. But I went to it anyway. I normally don't even go to those because I'm just, just beat up. But I went to it and immediately he was just so riveting to watch and listen he translated so much clarity it was like mm-hmm. i've never heard that type of precision coming out of a like a latin jazz thing before yeah, it was yeah, so yeah. present so strong and and fluid and he had a weird kit too i remember it was almost like he was a tim- he was playing the role of the timbale player but he had a bass drum and a snare drum so he had
2: timbales mm, in okay. front and bells we had Ooh. a kick drum and a snare drum Man, I love when people play a a setup where you go, dude, if you could just leave the room and let me rip on your kit, (laughs) because that looks so much fun. (laughs) Um, (laughs) By the way, though, the one thing that I think, and I don't know if you'll agree with this because you and I have definitely never discussed this, but he was one of the first people that came out from that world that like with Rossio, I knew it was Cuban. With Daphnis, I knew it was world music. I didn't know where he was from. Oh, okay. I couldn't nail down just Cuban influence. Like, I heard Brazilian influence. I heard African influence. I heard American influence. Yeah, It obviously was shifted one way, but it wasn't like there has to be a clave with my left foot for every song I play. There has to be. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. That would just I remember that being this thing where once Horacio introduced it to us, Everyone had to do it. Like, yeah. oh, if you're gonna play a songo, you better play <laughs> left foot clave. I'm like, Ugh, yeah, I don't have an yeah. extra pedal. No, for, yeah, for me, Daphnis is similar to like the first
0: time I heard Alex Acuna. Like, is this a okay. drummer? Is this a percussionist? percussionist Where's he from? Yep. Like, what is he doing? With well, Daphnis, I definitely heard kind of that Cuban, uh, that in between triplets and sixteenths kind mm-hmm. of interpretation. That still sounds like a foreign language to me a lot of times. It's like a yeah. rub, like rubber time. But mm-hmm. I've had the same kind of reaction. Like, this is—I'm not sure what he's doing. Like, what is this language? Because everything's so fluid. He never—I never heard him go into patterns. It was always yeah, this no, it's not beats and fills, yeah.
2: right? It's music. And the other thing that I really got from him and from that modern drummer performance, um, which then led me to follow him after that, but was how much sound you can get out of a rack tom. You don't have to hit yeah. it right in the middle every time. I was like, wait, you can you can timbalize your rack tom right. you can rim shot it you can hit the sides of it you can use the rims on purpose you know the only time i used the rims on purpose back in the day was when i hit one on accident i just made sure my next fill had three rims in it to show that i did it on purpose mm-hmm. but but i mean to the way he would turn his entire drum set into a percussive device was awesome i just thought like wow that's really cool that he's getting so much more sounds and i think that that lends to people like Mark Juliana and Carter McLean and the people that we're friends with that use their drum set in such a wide range because of the influence we got from people like Daphnis, Horacio, and Ignacio. right so you want to talk about his new record? Man, that was, it was really fun. I'd never heard it, uh, listened to it today. Obviously reading the MD article, like as far as what went into it, And why he wrote it and everything, that obviously gives you a deeper understanding of it. But I felt like the way that Mark was able to pull me into the world of jazz through straight time playing, I feel like Daphnis could do that for other people that love the power that you get out of a big band. You cannot recreate the power of a big band, like a full horn section Mm. everything. But the problem is a lot of times, well, the problem for some people is a lot of times it comes with swing because it is from that era. Right, right but this is all most of this album is played in straight time and so you're going to have this immediate if even if you're just a rock guy or a rock girl you're going to have this immediate connection to like these are 16th notes i can do that i maybe you can't do what he's doing but right. you can follow it it's not all triplet based it's not let's you know sometimes people you just kind of know like oh you're doing a big band album You're going to do, you're literally rehashing the 1940s all over. (laughs) (laughs) This is not that whatsoever. It's Daphne saying this sound, these songs are in my head and I'm going to grab a big band to play them. And I just thought like, man, I could show this to so many people and open their minds to the sound and the power of big band. Because you and I grew up playing in big bands. So we knew what it's like to have three trumpets on the stand with us. Two trombones, full yeah. sax section. I mean, yeah, that, we the just richness that you
0: get from all those saxophones playing together in real tight mm-hmm. harmonies—it's really, yeah. I don't, you can't, I don't, you can't recreate it with a guitar. I mean, a synthesizer maybe, but it's not going to be the same. It's not the same. No,
2: and it, it doesn't, it doesn't push the air. I mean, yeah. you just know it. You know it when you hear it. Like that's not a synth. Yeah, that's true. They're they're tonguing the notes. <laughs> you can you can hear it. And, and I mean, even if you and I were playing a basic drum solo back in ninth grade just what it's like to have horns play backgrounds you yeah. know yeah. and just totally. hit these like repetitive stabs for you it's like oh thank <laughs> you so much <laughs> i mean my will sounds so much better when nine people go <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way dude i don't think you know but my personal mouth trumpet skills are like legendary around the house like oh, if yeah? you ever need a
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm,
2: I, I got your back brother anyways moving on uh so yeah so i think that this album could be the gateway album to a lot of people to that are like oh i'm not into that stuff and it's like oh slow down mm. listen to this you know, i feel like uh uh chuck berry's cousin on the phone like you know that sound you listen for well listen to this uh tra- Okay, I'm going to slow down with the T. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you're going with this. Where are we going? Where are we headed? I'm buckling You've seen Back to the Future? <laughs> where Mob and Barry calls Chuck Berry on the phone and shows him what rock and roll is? I feel like this album could be that for a lot of people where it's like, yeah, I'm not into big band. It's like, well, okay, why don't you give this a chance and check it out? So I, I really think it's it's a pretty amazing album. Uh, the album, by the way, is called Back to the Sunset. Back and to you Sunset. And if you're yeah. looking for it on iTunes, it's the Daphnis Prieto Big Band. And yeah, and his entire discography is really interesting. He's
0: He's been hard for me to to keep up with, which I think is awesome. You know, Because every record is mm-hmm. something different. And just when I was starting to get a feel for his kind of more traditional Afro-Cuban stuff, he's doing something completely out and different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think he's worth exploring his whole discography. There's all kinds of... Really interesting stuff, and he's he's composing all the music too, which we can't kind of overlook. He's he's the mastermind of all this Jeez project. Not only he's amazing. an amazing drummer, and I the thing that I remember him doing in clinics during that time around ten years ago is he would just play clave and and sing over top of it. Some of the most ridiculous phrasing I've ever heard in my life. It was like oh. kind of like like Indian drummers can sing ridiculous mm-hmm. phrases. He was he was able to sing in like this rubbery out of time phrasing, but the clave never dropped. So crazy. I'm sure there's video footage of that. If you YouTube right. deafness, Prieto, clave, you'll probably find something. It was, it was humbling. I was, that was one of those like, Oh God, he's got a, he's got an internal clock that I will never, ever, ever comprehend. <laughs> you know? Did
2: I, do you ever think that maybe, you know, you and I say five years ago had no recognition publicly whatsoever. I always kind of feel like at some point there would be one of the PASIC concerts that you and I attended as fans. And for some reason, the camera just finds us with our mouths open and we're shaking our heads. And we're just like, (laughs) and then like, it just like, you can't hear it, but you can see us saying, what the, and then it just stops there. (laughs) Like, (laughs) cause I've been there like watching Chris Coleman for the first time live. And I'm like, there's like drool coming out of my mouth. I look like I'm catatonic because I can't even comprehend what's happening. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's gonna show up on YouTube somewhere. Me at 19, just being like, what the hell? You know, and I, I just, could see you. I could see you like watching him do his singing over the clave. And they're like, is that Mike? Is that long-haired Mike yeah, Dawson yeah. back it, there? It, it would just have been drooling. too. I had long hair back then. Yeah, you
0: did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was awesome. and I actually found it. So I'm go- we're gonna drop in a little bit of it. Boom. I want to send it to you now so you can. All right. It was 2008.
1: Tackle like the dunga, the 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 back attack, the back attack, the 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 <laughs>
2: play the clave that fast first of
1: all <laughs> things moving <laughs> oh, that i didn't know it was sweat. allowed
2: to go over that bpm man that S- guy makes
0: me sweat so that is uh oh. we're back right that video is yeah. if you youtube Daphne Sprieto Pasic 2008 it's on the from the vic Firth page it's him doing the clave thing right around the one minute mark is when you're either want to jump off a bridge or run home and practice i'm not sure which yeah. one it'll be well
2: I think I could have handled it if maybe he showed some stress on his face, but the fact that he's like smiling so wide and almost like laughing at the children, the little children uh, yeah. in the crowd that can't handle what's happening. <laughs> it's like, why do you look so confused, little children? This is so
0: easy. No big deal. I'm just right. playing a clave and then singing a clave in an entirely different tempo. Yeah. Will. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and the worst part is I want to believe it's random and I know it's not. Right. <laughs> He's like that's every seventh sixteenth note. Oh that's gosh. that every yeah, time we're... I hear Vinny
0: Calcutta. That's what I tell myself. Oh, he's just playing random. Yeah, there's he doesn't no way know that that he's that's doing. accurate. No,
2: no, he's just moving his limbs. <laughs> I don't need to random. practice. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's talk about some gear. It's time for candy. All right, this might
0: be the most. Phew, I don't even know how to Expensive? describe it. What's the word for it? Most extravagant yeah. snare drum I've extravagant. ever. Extravagant. There ever we go. have my hands on. it. A few years ago, I did review the Joyful Noise 24 karat gold snare drum, which was pushing the boundaries of my my ability to comprehend how extravagant a drum could be. This one is a Van Cleef 4.5 by 14, 1.5 sterling silver shell. The entire shell is sterling silver. Man. It's a 5,000
2: pound drum, like... Right, which which gets more expensive for us here <laughs> yeah. in the uh, in the lower forty eight. Uh, yeah, that's no. I had not like I was like, oh, is it silver plated? And then I saw the price. I'm like, I think the whole damn thing is silver. It's uh, yeah. It came with so white, this is white like gloves. A- this is like a prepper snare. Like if you if you think our economy is going to collapse, buy this snare and then yeah, you have a right. grip load of silver when all, when everything goes down. <laughs> we need to melt it down the and put some
0: snare. fillings and yeah. some teeth or something. I don't know, but unreal, man. Yeah, it, I mean it's out of out of control. And and I didn't know there was a difference between sterling silver quality, but this is apparently the 925 grade sterling silver. Okay. Again, way out of my league. I, I'm. I'm talking way over my head, but all that said, the drum was gorgeous, but it wasn't—it wasn't like offensively braggy to look at. It just no, no, no. Really I mean, you nice. would—I I
2: think 99% of drummers would walk up on that and think it was aluminum. Yeah, right. It's—it's it's pretty subtle. It's kind of exactly what VK is
0: kind of known for—is just real kind of sleek, simple designs, real clean. Uh, but it also sounded pretty cool. I kind of felt guilty playing it,
2: but not enough to not do it. <laughs> well, I think – I mean that's, that's one of those things that's so rare for us as drummers that have played our entire lives to find a material that we've never played and how could we? I mean when, when would you have the chance to play – I mean I, I guess would this be considered a solid silver shell? Yeah, I right? mean one, yeah. 1.5 millimeters thick. That's a
0: pretty thick shell.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, when would you have the chance to do that? So, its I was really interested to hear you play it and then try to see if I could draw any parallels to other metals. So, why don't we give the listeners a listen to it first and then we'll uh, talk about it.
0: So, how do you describe the sound of silver? Um, mm. It was it was bright. It was definitely a bright sounding drum for and at least in the room recording wise. Maybe not a translated, but it felt like a bright sounding drum. Um, it really liked. I think also because it was shallow, it really liked higher tunings and from my testing
2: yeah man towards the end of the clip when you started playing some jazz on it i was actually shocked at how well it did that yeah that seemed to be its spot i I tend to demo actually i
0: always demo this stuff more of just a basic backbeat kind of thing but this drum kept saying play some swing on this thing like it just had that vibe
2: yeah and and the thing is like i mean obviously i'm just watching the video so i wasn't there in the room but it's it seems like at lower volumes, it's giving you a full sound, where sometimes drums don't do their job until you kind of hit them medium hard. Yeah, that's true. This yeah. had a full sound, and you're only about an inch off of the head when you're playing it, but I'm I'm not hearing this weird, oh, I should have hit it harder vibe. So I think it's actually a pretty delicate sounding snare, and I mean that as far as you can be a little bit lower in volume and still get a full sound out of it. Uh, the other thing you mentioned in the, in the write-up in the review, but... I don't think I'd want to spend five thousand dollars and have a generic sounding snare. Yeah, I I would want it to have character. I'd want to have a reason to pull this thing off the shelf and be like, "I've got five snares that can sound like generic anybody's professional snare drum. I'm breaking out the big dog for a reason because it does something. It has character. Yeah, that's true.
0: I mean, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't steel. It wasn't like as overwhelming as deal. It wasn't as kind of dry and and throaty as aluminum. It didn't have like the the kind of spray of
2: brass. I mean, it kind of just sat in its own spot. Um, I will say this though, very few drums. And I noticed that you even had a gel on it during the lower tuning. Very few drums have any character when tuned that low. They just turn into splat yeah you know they're done and it's a great sound and we all love that sound but to still get character out of the drum and when i say character i mean some sort of overtone yeah and there was still overtone at those low splat tunings even with a gel on it and i think that's pretty cool Uh, i think with this drum to spend that kind of money on a drum it can't just be about sound it has to be the sound has to work for you the look has to be when you see it you need to go that's a scenario drum right yeah, there. Right, and yeah. the last thing is, you need to be into what uh, his first name's Eric, right? Eric Van Cleef. No, Alan. Like I said, Alan. <laughs> you need to be. You need to be. I've only met him like ninety six times. You need to be into what he's doing. You need to follow him on Instagram and see what he does. I mean, honestly, there are some great metal drums. You and I are both friends with the guys uh, with obviously with Ron Tanet and the guys at A and F. But what he's doing with metal, he's putting as much, if not more, into the craft of metalwork than anyone in the world. His throw-off is still mind-bending to me. The fact that you pull it down and there's a drum key in there. And it's a killer drum key that's as well-crafted as the drum itself. I love his claws. I don't feel like his claws get in the way quite as much as other claws. His lugs are just timeless enough but yeah. still totally contemporary. So, he's also making his this... own
0: tension rides, which is probably overlooked. Like if you get an wow. all aluminum snare drum from Van Cleef, it's all aluminum. Like the whole Wow, I didn't band. know that. Yeah, he's he's able to do all kinds of customization. You can do your own logo etched into the shell. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's pretty it's pretty cool. He's a good dude, too. He's one, he's a really now, nice guy. Now,
2: when you're looking at the butt plate, there's a whole line of rivets there. What is that for? Do you, do you know? No, I don't know what the rivets are doing, but that's the seam. That's where the shell is, I guess,
0: instead of, um, I don't remember what's on the inside, but instead of, uh, there might be a plate on the
2: inside. Okay. So instead of welding it, there's a plate. kind of riveted together. Yeah. Right. Well, as soon as he hooks up with his brother, Eric, I think the the duo, (laughs) they're going to kill it. (laughs) I think they really have a bright future ahead of them. Um, Yeah, so definitely, if you haven't checked out VK stuff, Van Cleef, Snare Drums, Check him out because the, the dude just puts everything he's got into these drums. Uh, one of the nicest people I've ever met. I first met him at the London Drum Show, and then was able to hook up with him a few times at Nam. So, amazing drums, amazing quality. And not everything and is five thousand dollars. That was no, no, <laughs> no, no. This is you, <laughs> you're getting his normal high level craftsmanship with, like I said, with a prepper shell. If things uh, go yeah. down, melt the shell. You're going to be fine. Run for the hills with your bag of silver. Everything's going to be okay. (laughs) Kill some werewolves, whatever you need to do. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Awesome. All right. Let's get into some listener questions. Okay. First one is from Mark. These are
0: in no particular order, but he says, hey, gentlemen, you mentioned sending more questions about recording and I wish I knew where to start. Primarily, I was wondering if you could discuss suggestions when it comes to resources about recording, especially for those of us who are beginners.
2: Oh, I, think, man. I think
0: we talked about a couple different YouTube channels before. Who's the the
2: guy that wears with the, the dreads, the do rag and the dreads? Yeah, uh, uh, that's my guy. I and I never know how to look it up, so I'm just like, uh, <laughs> I can't like type in like am like recording engineer with <laughs> headband and dreads. I think uh, Recording
0: Revolution is a great channel. That's a different one that I followed a lot. I think Pensado's Place is a great channel. Um, There's a course on lynda.com with Josh freese that I think was Mm -hmm. my pick of the week. Yeah, that one was really good for sure. Oh, by the way, it's Creative Sound Lab. Creative Sound Lab, also great. He's he's a drummer, so that's a good one because he's a lot of his stuff is like drum micing and drum mixing and stuff. The
2: other thing I really like about him is the the outboard gear or the, the the gear he uses generally isn't insane. Like he might use a compressor and then when you look it up you're like dude, that thing's 250 bucks yeah um because that's tough when somebody's like yeah i just threw my knee vq on there my 1176 yeah right like uh (laughs) that's 26 grand to get your snare tone great um yeah yeah, pensado's place is awesome to you kind of dive into the deep end but you just know eventually the lingo is going to catch up with you right exactly um
0: yeah, I like Recording and, Revolution and Creative Sound Lab for kind of short lessons on one subject, EQing yeah. your snare drum, or whatever. But I think that Linda course with who was the engineer, shoot, mm-hmm. he worked with Rick Rubin a ton. But if you just go to Linda.com and look for Josh Freese drum recording, there's a whole course mm-hmm. that kind of goes start to finish. And there's also a drum yeah. mixing course that's like part two. Yeah. For me, that kind of covered everything from the ground up.
2: You know what though, we can't like forget about the sound of sterloid. Yeah, true.
0: But That's Aaron is too. kind of purposefully vague about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, he yeah. wants I mean, you to spend time discovering your own. Honestly,
2: I th- I think with beginners, the Creative Sound Lab the one thing I like about it is like I typed in how to record drums and the first Creative Sound Lab that came up was how to record your drums with one dynamic mic. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Give me one microphone and let me get a decent sound and he's going to show you where to place it. And there's something about his personality on camera that's just absolutely wonderful. So I I, I agree with you on that. All right. Next. All right.
0: This one's from Nicholas.
2: Um, My question is about
0: mental focus, which is something I sometimes struggle with. For the past couple of months, I've been diligently working through the new breed book for all aspects of my playing, time, hand and foot technique, reading, etc. And side note, I think that's the best book for all of that. Uh, But it goes on and says, the last couple of days, I found it tough to mentally focus as I'm reading slash playing. So I keep missing notes, even though I played these pages countless times. I'm not sure if it's because I've increased tempo, which I do incrementally 5 BPM at a time. And my, so my reaction time is failing me, or is it because my focus is waning because I'm bored of the exercises, or both? <laughs> uh, so I've thought about a few alternatives to break things up, as far as giving New Breed a break. Uh, i switching the main focus of my practice to something else, working through the mental barrier by slowing everything down, focusing on the slower system, and continuing to work on all aspects of it. So what do you think? I'm not sure what to do, Nick. Wow.
2: Well, first of all, congratulations for caring about the focus of your practice that much. How many drummers even would recognize that that was happening? Uh, um, I mean, aren't all drummers ADD by nature, isn't that? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying is we would <laughs> yeah. just let that kind of happen. Like, yeah, I lost focus. I mean, the fact that he's like, I'm losing focus. Let me write Mike and Mike about this. Yeah, man. That's awesome. I think the fact that you know that it's happening is awesome. I do think that breaking it up is key, but also finding joy – in what's next with the new breed. Like, that that's what kept me in syncopation for so long was like, I wonder if I could make that my left foot while just carrying on this groove. Like, can my hi-hat, left foot play those syncopated rhythms? And all of a sudden, it was day one with syncopation all over again. Yeah. Um, so... You know, And I I think recording yourself is key when you're doing something that's very repetitive. If you want to know if it's getting any better, you have to record yourself so you can A-B it. If you just keep sitting on the kit and saying, like, how do you feel today? There's so many factors that could actually determine the outcome of how you're feeling that it it might have nothing to do with the actual content itself. What do you think, buddy? Uh, Well, I think we all kind of ebb and flow with our ability to focus,
0: depending on what's going Mm -hmm. on in our daily life. I know that is something I've always struggled with, and that's why at times I've been more into meditation and doing other things when I feel really distracted. So maybe just your daily life is a little frantic and that's going to make mm. your practice frantic. I've found that it just comes in waves and it, it goes. But I also think the new breed is designed to be a mentally taxing, frustrating book. So you're in order for you to go from the first measure to the last measure with no mistakes – that's no that's no easy task so i think that's that's built into it so the the, where do you mentally break down so and
2: wouldn't you think that that itself is a skill totally i think that's that's going to apply to you sight reading a chart someday or something yeah totally i mean it's it's been a goal of mine forever can
0: i play an entire song without my mind wandering for a millisecond and it's yet to happen in 30 years but i think practicing it you'll definitely get better and then eventually you'll you'll be able to acknowledge, all right, here's where I tend to lose focus around measure 12 or something. Let me mm-hmm. make sure I get through that. Uh, but I think it's just natural. Maybe, I mean, I'm not one to say, abandon what you're practicing and do something else because you're bored. Cause I think part of development is busting through those plateaus of boredom. Right. I mean, I'm still practicing quarter notes every day, but, uh, yeah, I just think it's natural. I think everyone's, yeah ability to focus changes and grows and it can be practiced for sure
2: and that's sometimes what you need is you just need to know am i the only one that's struggling with this <laughs> right yeah. when you know like no what you're going through is 100 percent natural it makes it a lot easier to go through so just know that yeah. we're with you brother all right we got our next one from zach says mike johnston
0: you've mentioned a free doll that you used up to a point when you switched to pro tools Mm-hmm. I'm looking to start recording myself for practice purposes and looking for a cost of w- effective way to do that. Um, he's got a Ludwig kit and a DTX multi 12 with okay. some triggers. So he wants to be able to put it all together and do some of the stuff like I'm doing with my Instagram.
2: Page. Oh, okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean the, so the DAW itself just has a free trial, what I liked about it was it's just not intimidating whatsoever for anyone that's new to using a digital audio workstation so or a recording program. I hate the whole DOM thing. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, <yeah. laughs> uh, so let me see here. So it's the one that I was using is called Mixcraft. Yeah, and if you get Mixcraft 8 Home Studio, it's $38 for the full license. So it's not that much. I know, what's the... Uh, kind of uh, the open source one reaper uh, i don't know that i don't use it okay so yeah, no, that, that one's that fully one. free but uh but yeah i think really you can do more than enough with something like mixcraft if you're a pc person um if you if you're a if you're a mac person honestly i would just use GarageBand. that's more than enough and it probably came loaded on your computer uh, but if you are a pc person then i would just use mixcraft you're looking at 40 bucks it's yeah. and you're set and it'll have all the channels you'll ever need and it'll teach you what you want and then once you know how to work one of these recording programs then look at logic and and what do you use um, i use logic i, I switched over okay. I, I mean i still do a lot of work in ableton live but when i got okay my new so
0: computer, ableton live yeah uh, logic. But I, I definitely spent a lot of time learning GarageBand. band um, Because when I got my first Mac, that was when GarageBand was the new thing. So I said, Mm -hmm. heck with it. I'm going to learn how to use it. So I did a lot of practice recording, learning how to mix and edit in GarageBand. It's essentially logic without all the extra features. Mm. There you go. But we're talking about there's a step here that is not discussed because just having a doll doesn't mean you're going to be able to record your acoustic kit and your DTX Multi-12. You're missing the crucial piece, which is the interface. Right. Uh, which well, since you referenced the stuff that I'm doing I know I've talked about it before but my setup is just a regular analog mixer I've got a bass drum mic a room mic that's probably 4 feet in front of the kit my electronics are wired into the mixer I send a mono uh, quarter inch cable out of that into the Shore MV1 and straight to my iPhone there's no DAW involved whatsoever nice um, so if you're just looking to just do some video with some audio that you can listen back and critique i may want to try that I mean, you can get a you can get a Behringer yeah.
2: 4 channel mixer for 50 bucks 60 bucks yeah totally and i you think you used on reverb.com like they actually pay you 15 to yeah to come it. get it so, yeah
0: and i think yeah. the MV1 might be 100 bucks maximum maybe but so
2: worth it i mean even if you got into daw's later in your life you're never going to not want to somehow get sound into your phone yeah, so exactly. I think that that's totally worth it. Um yeah, I think that would be great. And also, you're still getting the mixing practice just without plugins and everything cuz you're get, you're mixing it in your actual physical mixing board yeah. before which, sending uh, it which out. which is
0: I think better practice because like I have a, a Mackie Onyx that has high, high mid, low mid and lows and the high mids and low mids are actually sweepable so I can dial in some right. frequency, but the the highs and the lows are just up or down there's no right so for me to get a <laughs> we've decent decided mix, you like 60 yeah so then yes. just yeah. that practice of like not having an infinite parameters of eq options like i've got to get the bass drum to have enough attack and enough low end and get rid of the wolfiness to make it right. just sound good enough
2: and you don't have a a, a preset that came with the thing that just yeah, says right. bass drum <laughs> yeah so it's Every like in, turn some knobs yeah. turn some knobs awesome i think that's great all right uh, you want to get into our picks of the week? I do. You want to go first? Because I don't remember what mine was. <laughs> I'm more than happy to. Um, I hope this is something that I can actually inform you about. Oh, I've got it right here. Go oh ahead. Oh, boy. All right. So my pick of the week. I, I'm trying to remember who showed this to me because I definitely didn't find it on my own. But uh, the it's a new album. Uh, fairly new. Let me see. I think it's 2018. Just checking the date right now. Uh, the artist is Laura Marling, M a l m a r l i n g, and the song is called "Soothing." And it's got the great Matt Chamberlain on it, and it is so vintage Matt. Is that new? Um, I think it is. Um, she's not, but I think this album is. Unfortunately, it's not giving me. I'm <laughs> a trusty iPhone. It's not giving me all of the data that I need. Um, So the album is called uh, Semper Femina, and the song that I'm referencing is called Soothing. And it's just such vintage, Matt. And uh, if you've ever heard myself or Mike or Carter or anyone talk about um, Jim Keltner Mm. and then the relationship between Jim Keltner sound-wise to Matt Chamberlain, you're going to hear it. This is one of the... One thing that I love about Matt is he can blur the lines between percussion and drum set and you don't really know what's what. And I I don't mean layers. I mean, you actually don't know. Are those Uh, hi-hats? What are those? What is that? Um, And I love that because he creates a a sonic landscape that you just decide, you know what? I'm not going to figure it out. I'm just going to enjoy it. It's beautiful. Uh, So yeah, check out the track Soothing by Laura Marling and then you'll hear... it, It really is kind of the archetype of what Mike and I always reference to when we're talking about how much we love Matt Chamberlain.
0: My pick of the week is the ultimate ears sound tap which is a di box so if you have in-ears and you play clubs where you just have a stage monitor you don't get a separate mix sent out for you to use your in-ears just like a regular wedge you literally plug the cable from the wedge into the sound tap back into the wedge and then you can plug your in-ears into the sound tap and have control of your own not your own mix but your own volume
2: right Sure, so you, you, which is important. I mean, there's nothing worse than uh front-of-house guy. You say, can I get a little more guitar? And then you'd rip the inners out as fast as you can <laughs> as he <just> blows <laughs> your mind. You're like, that's eh, a little bit much there, buddy. Yeah. So the,
0: well, I'm um, coming up on you know summer festival season, when we're doing a lot of outdoor shows with big production sound systems, but not necessarily uh, time for them to be like, let me get your personal monitor system right. set up. So I'm just going to plug this sucker into the wedge, and then be, I'll be able to use my in-ears and not go deaf from having to have the wedge crank so much. It's that's awesome. surprisingly cheap. It's 250 bucks. Um It's super
2: easy. It's one knob. You just volume up or down, and that's it. That's rad. I can't wait to do our Ultimate Ears review because I have a feeling – like, I'm never – gonna let the ultimate ear six plus leave my side and i have a feeling you probably feel the same way about the 11s yeah yeah but i
0: what i
2: what i love is that it's not because we're looking for the same things and we found it in two different products we're looking for two totally different things and we found what we wanted yeah and yeah uh, i mean i'll give you a,
0: a little little foreshadowing the the six is it six pro six pro is that what it's called six pro yeah okay there's been a couple because I use those at home when I'm just, you know, playing or recording or lately I've been messing around with my mandala drum a lot. And the there was times when I hit like a sub bass sample on the mandala. I thought my head was going to explode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could feel it down to the bottom of my feet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they do have some low, uh, Yeah. Yeah. And but yeah, I think once people know. Why these two products exist and you're not just paying more money because one is technically better. It just does something very, very different. These two products live in very different spaces. And so you have to know what you're looking for out of your in-ears to be happy. Um, I yeah. think if, if you were looking for something specific and, you, and it was the opposite and, and you got, say, the UE11s, but you were looking for just jamming on your kit, you'd probably be pretty upset because of the price and you'd be like well this wasn't fun it's like yeah i know these are like reference monitors (laughs) this is these are the you know uh the yamaha white speakers of the of the world it's just it's it's you get what you get you know Uh, so even even
0: with those again yeah we'll definitely do a full review but even with the 11s uh i've had to dial out the low
2: end to keep it from becoming too much of a concert experience if that makes sense no, they do have – I think the 11s do have like an actual crossover and an extra sub. So it's like high, mid, low, and then a sub that when the frequency gets there, it gets turned on.
0: Yeah, but the uh, 6
2: the six Pro, man, there was a couple times I'm like, I think this,
0: this might kill me. There's so much coming through this Vanthaland <laughs> <manpower>
2: <drum. laughs> That's awesome. Death by uh, well, I'll, uh, Yeah, I'm going to go listen to The Chronic by Dr. Dre and just revisit the low-end – and the, the 808s, and I'll see, because uh, I haven't listened to anything with super sub-lows with my with my UE6s. But we'll, we'll do a shootout in those just in the next couple careful. weeks. So
0: just be careful.
2: Just be careful. I'll keep it low. Everyone have an amazing week. If you want to keep sending in more questions, just do that at mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. And we have two really cool milestones for this podcast coming up that we'll tell you guys about next week. And maybe we'll run some promo contests so you guys can win some cool stuff. So... Yep. So. All right, brother.
0: Where we at? Harry Sermon is going to be our outro groove, and he recorded this on his iPhone. On his Which iPhone, I love. Tripad. 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 The, <laughs> the new tripad. Apple Tripad.
2: Okay. I, I've been setting up my kick snap hair on my <laughs> tripad, and it's been really working out. You finally did one. Tripad. That's the best shirt ever. No explanation. Tripad. What a great band name. I mean, that, that's With already that got a best. Tripad. That's a new practice pad written all over. It's a tripod. A
0: tripod? Oh my gosh. You don't Love it. it. <laughs> <Patton>. <laughs> anyway, this is Harry. This is recorded with an iPhone, so there's no excuses. Send your beats in to indie info at monodrummer.com. Love it.
2: <laughs> all right. It's so yeah. tripod.
1: With the Kroger Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Kroger Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at Kroger.com and start saving. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply.
0: Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Kroger. Fresh for everyone.